0: focusing on stories and issues impacting Kentucky. This is the Commonwealth Matters. The Commonwealth Matters is a production of the Commonwealth Policy Foundation. We're a nonprofit public policy group that's helping Kentuckians value life, protect natural marriage, defend religious liberty, and promote fiscal integrity. To learn more about our work and find helpful resources, visit CommonwealthMatters.org.
1: Is there room in politics for the average Kentuckian? That's what we're going to talk about in one part of this episode of the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, I'm Brandon Porter. In this special edition of the Commonwealth Matters, our Richard Nelson sits down with Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton. He was able to catch up with her recently, and we have the audio from that interview that we think will be encouraging to you as we hear about her perspective in serving as Kentucky's Lieutenant Governor.
2: All right, with me in the studio is uh, Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton. Janine, it's uh, great to have you on the program.
3: It's good to be back.
2: Hey, we're going to cover a lot of ground uh, in this uh, Commonwealth Matters uh, program. And uh, I'd like us to first get into um, politics and and can regular people run for office and people that might not be uh, politically connected or uh, don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm asking you is because I think there are a lot of people who care about government and they want to make a difference but Mm -hmm. they might be intimidated and I knew you before you uh, ran for anything Mm -hmm. and I see you as just a a regular person that wanted to make a difference so where does somebody start uh, if they're just a regular Kentucky citizen and they want to get involved with the process where would they start? Tell tell us about that. Well
3: well, of course you know I got my start through the Tea Party movement Uh, I got Mm -hmm. involved with the, the group in Bowling Green. And started, we started paying attention to, actually, first, it was Washington, DC. Then Frankfurt trying to unravel the bills and policies that they were putting forth. Uh, and I, I never planned to run for office. But I, I remember attending, however, the Commonwealth Policy Center's mm-hmm. candidate training course yeah. with the intent of helping candidates to run. And uh, I, I knew nothing about the process, uh, a little bit about it from watching it, but just want to know the nuts and bolts and that was a pretty good course. And so later in 2013, when I decided to run for the St- Kentucky State House, I pulled that binder off the shelf and that's where I started. I at least knew uh, uh, where to start. Uh, I had also volunteered on someone's campaign and that's a great place for people to get to get started if they just want to know about the process in general. It's just a, to volunteer on someone's campaign, they're always looking for, for volunteers, for workers to do uh, various jobs. Yeah. And uh, that can give you an inkling too. But I, I, I wanna stress though, that anybody can and should run for office. You know, you, you call those regular people. I'm, I'm a yeah. regular person. This is yeah. the first elected position I've ever held. Uh, as, as Same for Matt Bevin, uh, where we come from the private sector uh, I was, uh, in fact, I was. I sold boxes, is what I was doing shortly before mm. running for this office, or, ru- or running for the state house uh, in twenty fourteen, yeah. and uh, but I think we really need more regular, everyday people yeah. in Frankfurt and Washington D.C. Uh, because I think their voices are getting lost. Yeah.
2: And, and of course, you and Governor Bevan were viewed as outsiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you weren't really connected to the political establishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really didn't have a lot of um, name recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Bevan had some because he ran for Senate mm-hmm. uh, the previous year. But uh, you were viewed as long-shot candidates, and yet you both still decided to, to run. You, you, you joined together as a team and, and ran. Mm-hmm. But what was it that motivated you to run for office? And even prior to that, though, I've seen you call yourself a reluctant candidate. Uh,
3: that's, that's true. Uh, you know, when you when you watch the process the way I did through my Tea Party activity, uh, and you see what goes on and you see how long it takes a decision to get made, it takes when you see how long it takes anything to get done, especially compared to the private sector, I just want to know part of that of the political scene um, and you know and then, and then you watch it it's contentious and people are sniping at each other and mm-hmm. and they just don't seem to get a lot done in an efficient mm-hmm. manner so i would yeah. never wanted to be a part of that and really what led me to to run was prayer Okay. Uh, and and I really just threw my career to the Lord, and the what I was hearing and feeling was run for office. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful what you pray for. Right? So
2: so was it a still small voice, or was there were there other uh, voices that you were hearing, and other things that helped you to determine? to run for office. And the reason I want to press into this is because I believe there are probably a lot of good people out there who care deeply about Kentucky. They Mm -hmm. care deeply about their communities and they want to make a difference but they might feel intimidated to run or maybe they've thought about it but they're just not sure. And uh, I would like to help them to uh, figure out should they run or what things should they be looking for and what voices should they listen to.
3: Well, again, uh, I, I would highly recommend, first of all, praying on it. Okay. But, uh, you know, if, don't be intimidated. I would say, don't be, my advice would be, do not be intimidated by the, by the process because the process only works if we, the people, are active and engaged and informed. And who is we, the people? That's us. That's, that's you. Uh, so I would highly encourage regular people, everyday people, to, to get in. It's not rocket science, we're not launching shuttles here. It's a political process. It's a process to determine what you, what you offer, what you bring to the table, and then make your case. Yep. Decide how, how you can make your case. And the internet has, it's really an equalizer. The internet yeah. has so equalized the process for many of us because we can reach our, our, we can reach voters in a way that was impossible a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I would encourage people to, to jump in just jump in. Don't worry about what you don't know. You can pick it up as you go along, because that's what, that's what I did in my, in my house race.
2: I, I've heard it said before, Lieutenant Governor, that uh, politics is too important to be left to professional politicians, <laughs> and it's along the lines of what you're saying, that this is a government uh, of the people. It I mean, is. this is our government, and we're blessed with uh, just the ability to run for office, to put our name on the ballot, and then to share our ideas with the voters and, uh, uh, you know, our vision for a better Kentucky and Mm -hmm. and for a better community, whatever community we might be in. Um, So you ran for the State House in 2014 against one of the longest serving State House members, Mm -hmm. uh, Jody Richards of Bowling Green. And uh, what did you learn in that campaign? As a first time candidate, just coming out of the Commonwealth Policy Center's candidate training, Mm -hmm. uh, what did you learn coming out of that State House campaign?
3: Well, first of all, I did better than many people uh, gave me credit for, or, or thought I would do, uh, and really, at the I again, thank you to the for offering the <laughs> the uh, candidate training You're course welcome. because uh, you know I when I pulled that binder down, I at least I had seen the the steps, the 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 big pieces in a in a campaign. So you know, there's you need to raise money, but before you can raise money, you need to know uh, what your target uh, voter group looks like, how big it is. Uh, you need a, you need an A, B, and C plan. I, I developed an A, B, and C plan. Yeah. If I raise this much money, I'll do this. Yeah. This much money, I'll do this. Um, I, you know, I, I learned to fine-tune my message what yeah. and, and to assess my own ability and skills and to, mm-hmm. and to distill that into what I bring to Kentucky, what I was willing to do for Kentucky, and to be able to convey that in a concise message. Um, and, and that's really what the whole political campaign is all about, is... It's, it's conveying your message to voters in a way that you convince them to vote for you, and uh, you know there's yard there's things yard signs and bumper stickers and all the all the things that, that go there. But and I did learn a lot. I did. I um, actually I, I could still write a 30 second radio ad. That's great. <laughs> I I really enjoyed the whole process uh, writing the radio ads, doing the mailers. Uh, Our mailers were way too wordy. (laughs) We realized that in hindsight.
2: So what you're talking about are some of the uh, nuts and bolts of a a political campaign. And this is something, by the way, that you and I are going to be doing a condensed training in Madisonville in just a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, one reason why, and I appreciate you joining me for that and and helping to equip uh, local candidates to run for office, but the reason why we're doing this training, even so late into the Uh, election year Mm -hmm. is because local uh, offices are are, uh, still open for filing. Uh, The filing deadline isn't until August, I want to say August the 12th.
3: I'm not sure. I I know it's in August, and Mm -hmm. many people may not know that. They may believe that the window closed in January, but that was for statewide races. But for the local races, you're absolutely right, it's not too late. It's not too late to jump in, uh, and but you know it's it's, it's fairly early right now. So, so they
2: so so anybody watching this or listening to us, uh, thinking about running for office, uh, think about attending the Commonwealth Policy Center candidate training event coming up June the second in Madisonville. There's information on the Commonwealth Policy Center website. Uh, we've got just about a, a just a short amount of time here, but one of the things I wanted to ask you is. Uh, Now that you're in office serving as Lieutenant Governor for the State of Kentucky, Mm -hmm. is it as you had imagined it to be?
3: Well, you know, I, actually, my expectations were fairly low, especially after watching uh, the uh, watching Frankfurt through my Tea Party activity. But it's actually better than I thought it would be because uh, if you look at what the lieutenant governor actually is supposed to do by by statute and by constitute by the Constitution, there, it isn't much. The duties yep. are not much, and so it, it's meant I've, I've been able to define uh, the, the the duties and uh, the governor governors. Governor Bevan has given me a wide uh, latitude to, to do pretty much what I want. And so I've realized that most of the activities involve kids. I've school visits, uh, whether it's uh, going around and talking about aerospace and aviation to kids, uh, developing uh, the Lieutenant Governor's Entrepreneurship Challenge for high schoolers, uh, the Lieutenant Governor's STEM Challenge for girls uh, to introduce uh, uh, young ladies to science, technology, engineering, and math. So. Uh, just a number of things, a literacy program that I developed.
2: That's super. And so
3: so it's just been, been fantastic.
2: I'm glad to hear that, and we appreciate your service to the Commonwealth.
3: Thank you.
0: At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters.
4: Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light. Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family, but the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 2540 tells us, The King will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services.
1: Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Thanks for listening to the program. If you missed our first portion of the program, you missed a conversation with Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton about ways that average Kentuckians can get involved in the political process here in the Commonwealth. To hear that portion again, just go to CommonwealthMatters.org. There you can find this program and other um, episodes of the Commonwealth Matters. As we continue on in the program, we return back now to our conversation that we've been listening in on with Richard Nelson as he interviews Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton. In this second part of the program, they're going to talk more specifically about some of the achievements that she believes Governor Matt Bevan and his administration have brought to the bluegrass. Let's join that conversation. We are
2: seeing significant changes in the state of Kentucky. In fact, in the last uh, two and a half years, we've seen policy changes in frankfurt that have resulted in major uh changes at the at the local level state level Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking of right to work kentucky's become a right to work state uh the prevailing wage law has been repealed yes and that's resulted in more businesses coming into kentucky in fact last year uh, there was $9.2 billion, I believe it was, in new uh, development uh, or brand new businesses coming in. Correct. Expansion or new businesses coming in. And
3: that was a record. Uh, the previous record was $5.1 billion in any given year. And uh, so we almost doubled in one year. So
2: you can see where actual policy changes result into uh, actual real changes in real life. I mean, that's a, almost... Five four billion dollars more, almost double. Well, that's right, and the, the companies investment.
3: and companies tell us they tell us uh, Brady Industries is is an example. Uh, they were prepared to walk if the governor did not sign that bill. Uh, they had it had come down to Kentucky and another state, and uh, the the right to work legislation had passed, but it hadn't been signed yet, and he was waiting to see if the governor was going to sign it or back out. And uh, he would not have come if we were not a right to work state. So.
2: so, of course, Brady Industries, is the it's the aluminum plant in far eastern Kentucky? Yes. And we're talking about, was it 500 new jobs?
3: Initially 500 jobs.
2: High paying jobs, too. Uh, high
3: paying jobs, but uh, they typically, where they, where they plant a, a facility, it expands. We could see that up to 3,000 within a few years. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good news for Eastern Kentucky that's had a depressed economy. Yes. We've also seen uh, an expansion of the Georgetown Toyota plant, mm-hmm. significant, I think a billion dollar expansion there. We saw Amazon uh, locate a, a new facility in Northern Kentucky.
3: That's right. And I cr- directly credit Governor Bevin for closing that deal. That deal was dead. Mm. And uh, Governor Bevin actually closed the deal and, uh, and convinced them to come to Kentucky
2: about that? Okay. Not far from the studio where we're recording, uh, there's a new plant that just broke ground uh, about a week ago, mm-hmm. the Novellas plant. That's right. Uh, which is another aluminum company. They're gonna make panels for vehicles, cars and mm-hmm. trucks as, as I understand it. And so, they are
3: here because we are a right to work state.
2: So we're seeing all of this good uh, development, uh, more investment, uh, more jobs mm-hmm. available, and mm-hmm. that's uh, reflective in the low unemployment numbers. There was a, a finding that came out just the other week that found that Kentucky's at record low unemployment, about 4%. Yes. Lowest it's been since the numbers uh, were first uh, tabulated in late 70s, I guess, about 40 years. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's a good thing. So we've seen some major changes in Frankfurt, which uh, didn't come without controversy or with some level of pain. I I was up there uh, during that session when Right to Work eventually passed and we saw uh, protests. We saw people from not just Kentucky, but from out of the state, come mm-hmm. in, and they were protesting, saying how bad it would be for workers. And yet, we're seeing the opposite happen.
3: Well, that, that's right. And um, you know, and the, the union workers were concerned. They view right to work as anti-union, and of course, it's not anti-union. When you bring more companies in, it in fact gives those the unions an opportunity to possibly unionize additional companies Uh, and it's and it's really there to protect the workers is what that legislation is all about so uh, you know the uh, the it it did get a little contentious there were some protesters there but the governor held his ground
2: so we're seeing good fiscal changes uh, lieutenant governor Um, also on the social issues front we've seen just in two and a half years five pro-life bills enacted into law uh, which is unprecedented in Kentucky we get to see that many solid pro-life uh, bills, including ultrasound, mm-hmm. uh, the 20-week abortion ban. Uh, there was an 11-week abortion ban, the Pain Capable uh, Child Act. A uh, lot of uh, good legislation there. Do we can we expect any more pro-life legislation coming from the Bevan administration?
3: Uh, I'm not sure what's in the works, but of course you know that those bills ha- w- were typically stalled before the Republicans took the House. Uh, those bills would, would uh, pass the Republican-led Senate, but then mm. get stalled in the Democrat-led House. And it wasn't until we flipped the House that those bills were passed. And so, we, you know, we, we have a respect for life that is just fundamental. To, to everything else that we do. And so it was it was wonderful to see those bills finally get passed.
2: Yeah, we are encouraged by that as well. We mm-hmm. see the life issue as a, as a pivotal, really a pillar issue for Kentucky. It is. Uh, pivoting from that, uh, I wanna go to another life issue, uh, school shootings mm-hmm. across the country. I know that you, uh, when, when there was a shooting in Marshall County, you had a chance to pray with the families yes. of students uh, who were killed. Um, some are saying that uh, there need to be more gun restrictions. There, that we need to ban certain type weapons. Uh, is that the solution to the gun, to the to the school shootings safety issue in the public schools?
3: It's it's not. The the every time there's a shooting, uh, the the conversation always turns towards gun control. And what they're missing is that there was a time, and the governors pointed this out. And there was a time in this nation where. Uh, young people actually took their guns to school. It was it was not unusual at all. Whether they were hunting, or maybe they got something for Christmas and they wanted to show off, and they were not shooting each other. So the fundamental question that I always ask when these things happen is, what has changed? And it's it's at a societal level, a disrespect for life that um, that people, that young people believe this is their only option is to hurt themselves and others as well. Uh, in fact, um, one of the tragedies in the marshall school shooting, Marshall County School shooting is the young man who did the shooter uh, is an avowed atheist, mm. and he's he said he stated that his life has no value, and neither does anyone else's. Mm. And so what is missing in that young man's life that that is what he believes? Um, and And again, the, the Governor has pointed out that let's look at the societal issues. That are, that are in fact leading to these shootings. The, the weapon doesn't matter. It'll be, if, you, if there were no guns, it would be a different weapon. Uh, so we need to look at those things uh, before that issue is resolved.
2: Moving from the issue of school shootings to another crisis that takes place every day in Kentucky mm-hmm. are, is the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the last statistics I looked at, Lieutenant Governor, was that about four Kentuckians die every day from an opioid overdose. Mm-hmm. And a number of different bills have been proposed in Frankfurt to address this. We've seen uh, naloxone uh, being made available to first responders. Mm-hmm. We've seen needle exchange programs, which that was, of course, directed towards stemming the effects from other Uh, health issues, other diseases being spread. Mm -hmm. But is there a limit to what government can do when it comes to opioid addiction or any kind of drug addiction?
3: I think there is a limit uh, because, again, and, and this kind of dovetails in what I said on the on the gun issue too. It's at a societal level. Um, what is it that is leading people to decide that uh, that they this is their option? Uh, that uh, for are they bored? Are they you know what what is it? Is there peer pressure? Um, why can't they resist this this pull to do these things? I remember when I was growing up in Detroit. Uh, I saw a little bit of drug use, not a lot, but I saw a little and it was enough though to scare me off of it because these were people who were not in control of their, their own lives. And that just didn't seem like a good role to go down. Uh, I also know that the unemployment rate is is uh, is somewhat related to that because mm-hmm. you know idle hands are the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's mm-hmm. get people to work. Let's get them to work. Let's get them with meaningful work, uh, work where they can support themselves, and perhaps then they're less likely to turn to these avenues. Yeah.
2: So I'm wondering, so you saw, when you were growing up in the inner city, mm-hmm. uh, where drug use could lead. You saw the mm-hmm. negative, a negative face to it, and you realized you didn't wanna do that. But what yes. makes it attractive today, though, do you think, to people, so many Kentuckians, this was about 1,500 that died last year, uh, maybe 1,600 in opioid uh, overdoses.
3: You, you know, if we could solve that, we could just put that in a bottle and and sell it around the nation. I'm not sure what, what it is. Uh, uh, and again, there's—I know the, uh, peer pressure is is uh, it's in the mix, but I, I honestly don't know what what the answer to that question is.
2: How about role models? And I know this is something you've been a role model to a lot of young people. You speak in schools across the the Commonwealth. Uh, you you engage in uh, literacy uh, programs, mm-hmm. the entrepreneurship uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we need more role models? And we just have a few a minute to to close on that thought. I, you know.
3: It, Role models, maybe, but I think perhaps if uh, one of the things I see, I here's what I suggest: Every adult has a story. My story is no more uh, significant or impressive than anyone else's, and I think a lot of young people are looking at adults and assuming they went from zero to sixty overnight, overnight successes, and none of us did. Yeah. We all had we all had a had a bumpy road. We had speed bumps. We, um, we had setbacks and I would just encourage an, every adult to share your story, share your story with the young people in your lives yeah. and share those speed bumps. I, I think it's helpful uh, because because that's what I do in schools. I've been in, in over 130 schools now and, uh, and I share those stories and I take questions and uh, and they're, and the kids are very appreciative, they respond to it. So I would encourage every adult to do so.
2: Right. Very good, thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor. Thank you.
3: Thank you for
4: having me.
2: You're welcome.
0: At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters.
4: Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family, But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew twenty five forty tells us the king will reply truly I tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you did for me now's the time to be a child's source of strength come help us at sunrise children's services
1: welcome back to the commonwealth matters I'm Brandon Porter In this episode of the program, we've heard from Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton as she's highlighted some of the positive things happening in Kentucky in the area of industry and education. It's always encouraging to talk to the Lieutenant Governor as she shares her passion for Kentucky students, and you can hear how she's trying to motivate them toward greater achievement. If you missed the first part of the program, or any part of the program for that matter, you can find it at CommonwealthMatters.org. Now, early in the program, she talked about being a veteran that was working in sales in the Bowling Green area in the path that led her to political office. One of the resources she mentioned was the candidate training offered by the Commonwealth Policy Center. As we now turn our attention toward the 2018 general election, now is the time for candidates and their teams to prepare for this important election. The Commonwealth Policy Center has just released our helpful candidate training, on DVD. You'll learn from state office holders, media professionals, and political consultants as they help you, the candidate, understand the basics of running a successful campaign, raising funds, working with the media, and much more. You can learn more about this resource at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. For Richard Nelson, I'm Brandon Porter. Thanks for listening to the Commonwealth Matters.